Well, good morning once again, Lindsley Avenue. It's good to see everyone here again today. It's good to have, I have to quit stepping on that board. Good to have some visitors here with us this morning, and we are glad you are here. Uh, we hope you will come back each and every opportunity that you have. Uh, before we get into uh, this morning's message topic, uh, I just want to go ahead and pause and let's go to God in prayer for a few of our, our members who are facing some, some tough times. So if you would, bow with me again here this morning. Our Father and our God in heaven, we are so thankful for the gift of life. We are so thankful that through your grace you woke us up this morning, that you have given us such a, a beautiful day outside, that you have given us the opportunity to come and to worship you and to be with brothers and sisters. We are so thankful for all the blessings that you give us, Father, and we would ask that we would be grateful that we would notice these blessings and that we would share the joy that we have of your Son living in us with those that we meet each and every day. Father, in these days of joy, in these times of joy, from time to time, there are things that happen in our lives that bring sadness, and it is that that we bring to you this morning. We would ask that you would bless specifically Amanda and her family and the loss of her grandmother. Father, many of us have lost people who have been close to us before, and we, we all know the hurt and the pain that comes from that. Father, we would ask that you would bless her, bless her family, and help us to be your hands to bring comfort, to bring joy in these times of sorrow. Help us to always look to love one another and to be the type of people that you would want us to be. Again, Father, thank you so much for all the blessings you give us. Through your Son, we pray. Amen. The topic this morning has nothing to do with July 4th. I thought about putting a picture up here with a, a, a description that I saw online that showed the Queen of England saying Happy Traitor's Day. <laughs> She's popular these days. I don't know how old she is, just lost her husband. But uh, you know, perspective can often be different depending on which side you are. We are uh, not looking at anything related to independence today. The topic this morning, the title there that you see is Inside or Outside? And from a temperature perspective, I think we're all pretty happy we're inside a good bit of the time. But let's look at inside or outside in the context of what transpires in the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. So pick up here with me. I want to back up all the way to verse 1. We just had verse 5 through 7. The laws did a good job reading that for us this morning. So let's look back in verse 1 through 4, Mark 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, that is to Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The word for defiled that's translated right there actually means common, common. The Pharisees and scribes believed that these hands that were described as common or translated here defiled were not ready to enjoy the benefits that God had provided. What's that all about? You know, 
when this is read by someone in the first century in the Greek or Roman world, they wouldn't have particularly understood what it was about. This is a Jewish perspective. Well, guess what? Some 20 centuries later, I don't think we always understand some things that are written in this way. So let's talk about that for just a bit. What's it all about here that the scribes and the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples eating with unwashed hands? Well, originally for the Jewish person, for the Jew, the law meant two things. First, the Ten Commandments, and second, the entire first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These five books contain a lot of rules and regulations. A lot of different rules and regulations. Things that the Jewish person was supposed to observe and do. But in the matter of moral questions, uh, what is laid down is a series of great moral principles which a Jewish person is supposed to read, understand, interpret, and apply. For a long time, most Jewish people were content with that, reading these moral principles and applying them to circumstances that were in their lives. However, in the 4th and 5th centuries before Jesus, and even later into that period, between 500-400 BC and the time we're reading about here in Mark chapter 7, uh, there came into being a class of legal experts that are described as the scribes. We saw those just a moment ago in Mark chapter 7, the scribes. They were not content with these great moral principles. Part of that was because of that history in between the time of 500 BC and the time of Jesus, the Jewish people came under a lot of persecution. And they nearly, in fact, were wiped out. And so they asked the question, how can we as a people survive? One of the answers was to fight back and kill everybody trying to kill us. From that answer came the zealots that we've talked about before. Another answer was, well, the best way to survive is to collaborate, to go along, to not make waves. And to an extent, out of that answer came the Sadducees, who collaborated with the Romans here in the first century. It's the other answer, the other answer that really accelerated what the scribes did. And what they said was, we nearly perished because we were not following God's law close enough, more closely enough. And so to make sure that we as a people do not step over the line and violate God's law, we're going to set up all sorts of additional rules and regulations to keep us from crossing over God's law. In other words, if we're supposed to stay away from this laptop, we're going to put a fence around the laptop. And as long as we stay away from the fence, there's no way that we're going to touch that laptop and get into trouble. So the scribes and the Pharisees set up all these additional rules that are not in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Human rules designed to keep us away from messing with what God had commanded. All right? These thousands and thousands of additional rules and regulations govern every possible, it seemed, action of life in every possible situation. They were called the oral law because at this time they really weren't written down. That happens a couple of hundred years later than the time we're looking at. And in the time of Jesus, they were called the traditions of the elders, the traditions of the elders. Mark gives more of an explanation in those first few verses of Mark chapter 7. 
And the reason he gives this explanation is to help us and to help his Jew as uh, Greek and Roman readers and hearers. For the Jew Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Sure did a lot of washing. I don't think they put the dining couch in a giant washing machine, but they were concerned with this cleanliness. What is this about? I mean, I'm going to ask that several times today because each explanation requires, I think, a little bit extra explaining. Well, a thing might, in the ordinary sense, be completely clean. Looking at it, it looks clean. It's not dirty. There's no stain on it. But in this legal sense of the scribes and Pharisees, it might be completely unclean. Certain animals were unclean. They weren't supposed to eat them. The animal might be completely washed, but from a religious perspective, they considered it unclean, something you would not be allowed to eat. Other examples, a woman after childbirth was unclean. It didn't matter how much she might wash in, in, a, in a river or clean herself up, because from a religious perspective, the law had said she was unclean. A leper was unclean. That's why they had to stay so far away from other people. Anyone who touched the dead body was considered unclean. Anyone who had become unclean made things they touched unclean. A Gentile was unclean. Food touched by a Gentile was considered unclean. Any vessel, think of a spoon or a bowl, that a Gentile had touched was considered unclean. So when a strict Jewish person returned from the marketplace, walking through the booths in the marketplace, they really didn't know who they might have bumped into. They didn't know what they had touched. They might very well have touched something that from a religious perspective, according to the scribes and the Pharisees, made them unclean, which means unable to approach God in worship. So when they came back, what they did is they immersed themselves. They washed themselves, not to clean off dirt. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about dirt on the hands. We're talking about washing away these impurities that they might have acquired by walking through the marketplace. Now, I'm taking some time to talk about this, and this is not much time at all. We could spend hours and hours and hours discussing all these man-made rules and regulations because this is what Jesus is up against here in Mark 7. To the scribes and the Pharisees, these rules and regulations were the essence, the real basic meaning of religion. To observe them, they thought, was to please God. And to ignore them was to sin. So in a religious sense, Jesus and these scribes and Pharisees are speaking a different language from a religious perspective. It was precisely because Jesus, he had no use for these rules and regulations that they consider Jesus a bad man. I mean, the scribes and the Pharisees are always coming after Jesus to a great extent because he's not doing what they thought he ought to do, following all these rules and regulations. So there's a fundamental divide here between someone who sees religion as ritual, as ceremony, as following rules and regulations, and one who sees in religion something that should be expressed in love for God and love for other people. Watch what happens as Jesus responds 
to this criticism, to this accusation that the scribes and the Pharisees bring before him. So, as laws read earlier, the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands, unwashed hands? Not dirty, that's not what we're talking about. Hands that are according to their rules and regulations made you not able to be coming before God to express thanks for what you were eating. So they ask him why he's not following these rules and regulations that have been put in place to be pure before God. Jesus will have none of it. He said to them, I, I, I can't help but hear a tone of distinct anger, aggravation, irritation in his voice here. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. First he calls them hypocrites. A hypocrite was somebody who was an actor. They were pretending. We've all met hypocrites. They are people who seem like they like you, and then when they walk away, you catch them talking bad about you. Can you believe they came here? Oh, I, I said hello to them, but I'm so glad I'm not around them all the time. You know, you know we're, that's what we're talking about. Somebody that acts one way, but inside they really are thinking something totally different. A hypocrite. It came from uh, drama, from Greek plays, where they would hold a, some kind of a mask up in front of their face because I'm not Jean, I am actually Lynette, the heroine of this play we're following. Look at the sign, don't look at what's behind the sign. And so when you put forward a face to somebody to pretend to be somebody you're not, Behind that mask is the real you. If they're different, that's a hypocrite. That's a play actor. And so Jesus says, you all are hypocrites. You act like you're really concerned about what God wants, but in fact you're not. Because, as he says, you're worshiping God in vain. You're teaching those doctrines, putting on people requirements that somebody invented that didn't come from God. Could be somebody who believes that they are a good person if they carry out the correct acts and practices, not caring what their heart and thoughts are saying. You know, all of you, all of us are here at Lindsay Avenue today. We're here, we've come here to worship God. Does it matter what you did this morning? Does it matter what you thought this morning? As long as you're here, everything's okay. Are we okay? Are we right before God because I came to church on Sunday, check. And then I go away from here and I suddenly live like I've never been in a church building before in my life. The Pharisees and the scribes put such a reliance upon the outward observances. And Jesus is like, that's so wrong. Because the outward isn't nearly as important as how we are on the inside. Take a look some more. To the case, take the case of the legalistic Jew in the time of Jesus. He might hate somebody with all of his heart. Matt, can I pick on you this morning? First of all, let me tell you, I do love you, so this is all pretend. Suppose I just hate Matt. I can't stand Matt. I wish a fireball would explode right there on that second cube and the smoke would drift away in the wind. Oh, but God loves us all. 
You know, he's, he, he's so kind. You know, I, I'm here to church service. Why can't you just evaporate? You see the inconsistency that would be? To the legalistic Jew, as long as I'm following the rules and regulations and I haven't crossed the line, what's in here doesn't matter. That's what, again, what Jesus is up against in this. If you're full, have a heart full of envy and jealousy and bitterness, it didn't matter as long as I carried out the right things on the outside. And remember, Matt, I do love you. That was all for right. Matt and I are good. Anybody watching at home, Matt and I are good. As long as I follow the rules and regulations, all is fine, regardless of what may be here on the inside. Legalism is an idea here. It takes account of the outward actions, but doesn't look at the inward actions, feelings, and thoughts. They may very well have been carefully serving God in these outward things, but bluntly disobeying what God had told us about our hearts. That's hypocrisy. That's being a hypocrite. That's pretending. That's being an actor. Being an actor. He then says, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Well, what does he mean here? He points out what he means. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Moses said, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Pretty strong language, which we ought to always remember to treat our parents with respect and make sure that our parents are honored. It's not putting up a statue to mom or dad. It's giving them what's their due because they brought you into this world. And we should honor and respect them. Okay? And whether that's financially, if they need some help that way, whatever it is, right? But look what they had done in the first century. But you say, if a man tells his father and mother, whatever you would have gained from me, whatever support I could have given you, whatever financial help I could have given you, whatever time I could have given you, is Corbin. And that's a hard word to put in here. That's, that's an original word that's not translated. Even here, it has to be translated in the parentheses, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for father or mother. What does that mean? If I'm supposed to help you, let's assume Max, my father, he's never going to sit on the second row. Suppose Max, my father, and I'm supposed to look after Max. Okay? But I said, I'm so sorry, father. I know I could have helped you, but I've given it all to God. Even if it's still in my pocket. It's devoted for God's purposes. I don't have anything to help you. He was excused from helping out his dad. Even if the money was still in his pocket. And so, with this human regulation that is not in the Bible, they allowed people to get out of following a direct command from God to honor father and mother. Look what he says. You permit him to not do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And many such things you do. When God says honor your father and mother, and this is just the one example that Jesus uses here, you'd better not have some technicality that gives you a get out of honoring father and mother card. Okay? That's what they had done here in the first century. 
And he called the people to him again. This is now the crowd. And he says, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. In other words, eating with dirty hands, eating with hands that have not been cleansed so that they can, according to these human rules, approach God, does not make you defiled, common, unable to approach God. I don't care if you eat 10 burritos, please don't do that in one sitting, or whether you eat this or whether it's from a taco stand, it doesn't matter. Nothing that goes into you from a food or external perspective in any way affects how you can approach God. Not at all. That's what they were teaching. As strange as it seems to us. But, remember I've asked this all when we read to look for the word but in a passage because that's almost always the turning point, the place you need to focus. But, the things that come out of a person are what defile them. It's not whether you eat with hands that are not ceremonially clean. It's not what foods you eat, even if it's pork, which the Jew was not supposed to eat in the past. None of that affects your relationship with God. It's what comes out of a person. Far from within, out of the heart of man, out of the heart of woman, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And they, they devour the person. You guys have it all wrong. These Pharisees and scribes have it all wrong. It's not the externals that God's looking for. It's the internals. It's what kind of person am I right here on the inside? How do you know what kind of person I am on the inside? But what comes out of me? Am I speaking kind things to people? Or am I pretending with the mask in front of my face? Am I doing evil things? Am I envying? Am I involved in immorality? Is those are all external actions that in many ways reflect who I am because they're coming from right here. If I'm following God, if I'm loving God, I'm going to work so that the things that come out of me are more like God, not less like God. One of the biggest mistakes we can make one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to identify goodness with certain so-called religious acts. Church go. Now look, please don't get me wrong. I'm really happy all of us are here today. I'm so glad you were here attending worship service to pray to God, to sing to God, to worship God. But if we're here, and it's more pretending than anything else, if we're here and my heart is still spewing out hatred and envy and all these things we just talked about, I've got it backward. I've got it backward. If I identify goodness with church going, Bible reading, careful financial giving, frequent prayer, they do not in and of themselves make someone a good person. If our heart is not in the right place, 
But look, every one of these things I want to encourage. I really want us all to open our Bibles in between Sundays. God's speaking on those pages. Let's read it. I want us all to pray to God, even when we're not in this building. I want us all to plan, how can I give of my blessing that I have received back to God? I want us all to think, it's Sunday morning. I want to come and worship God today. But those external things aren't going to do a bit of good. They don't do any good at all. If my heart really is where I say evil things about people, I have envy, I have hatred. If these external things we're talking about are merely that actor's face that I hold up in front of me so that everybody sees those externals, while on the inside, I'm really nothing but pretending. The fundamental question is, how is our heart toward God and toward other people? And if our heart, there's anger, bitterness, grudges, pride, not all the outward religious observances in the world will make us anything other than a hypocrite, a pretender. True religion always has to come, not from someone's clever legal arguments, like the scribes and the Pharisees had fallen into the trap doing, but from the simple listening to and accepting of the voice of God in the Bible and loving other people. So my question this morning, all of us is, have you, have I been listening to God from his word? Have I been listening? If so, you know that he loves you and he wants you to repent and come back to him if you've wandered away. If you're a member of his family and you've been pretending, you've been acting, you've been holding up that external shield, went to church today, check. Lord Supper today, check. And as soon as it's gone, you're hating somebody. As soon as you leave the building, you're hating somebody. You're angry, you're envy, you're that says is you've got a max that you bring out a time or two a week. Or if you have not yet become a member of God's family, it's time to make the change. It's time to put your life under God's control. It's time to quit living for yourself and to start living for God. God doesn't care what you did yesterday. He doesn't care what you did this morning. Nearly as much as he cares with what you will do right now. And that's the question for you this morning as we stand and sing.